right, here we go. Welcome to the Chash Palmetary Podcast. I'm telling you, I'm having a good time doing this. Uh, first, I just want to remind you all where I'm going to be. If you want to see my one-man show, show that started it all, you know, go to chashpalmetary.net, and my schedule is there. Uh, coming up in September, I'm taking the summer off, I decided. I'm taking the summer off, uh, my wife and I, and uh, we're going to travel, we're going to go to Europe, uh, we're going to have a good time. But back in September, doing the one-person show, uh, September 10th, I'm going to be at Lancaster, PA, at the American Music Theater in Detroit. I love Detroit. September 17th, Detroit, Michigan. I love Michigan because my daughter goes to University of Michigan. At the Music Hall, okay, in Detroit. That is uh, September 17th. In October, folks, this is going to be some show. It's been 15 years since I did... Uh, the one-man show on Broadway. 15 years. I'm going to be doing one night only back on Broadway at the Town Hall on 43rd Street. That's right. That is October 1st. October 1st in New York City, downtown. One show. And it is the first time in, I think, yeah, it's the first time in 34 years since I wrote the show that I'll be doing a Q&A a Q&A after the show where I will take questions from the audience. I'll talk about how the whole thing happened. We all know that, but some great stories about how it, uh, stories about the movie, when we did the movie, about when we did the musical. But people just want to ask questions about my life and about how the whole thing happened. That is October 1st at the Town Hall, Broadway in Manhattan. October 8th, Springfield, uh, Massachusetts, MGM Casino. Springfield, Massachusetts, MGM Casino. October 9th, Boston. I love Boston. I love Boston. Boston's a great place. Boston, MA, October 9th, I'll be at the Emerson Colonial Theater. Catch me in Boston. It's going to be a great show. And two more in Pittsburgh, that is November 11th and 12th. I'm going to be at the Byram Theater. So come and see the one-man show. You got to put it on your bucket list, folks. Come on. If you saw the movie, you saw the musical. Right, John? They got to come and see it. You saw it. It was way different. It was a good experience. All right. It was, uh, I mean, it's something that if you never saw, you got to see, right? So um, also go to my website, jazzpalmetary.net. My merchandise is there. We got great shirts. Uh, now you can't leave with Bronx Tale on the back and saddest thing in life is wasted talent. And don't forget the card. And you know, I just started doing something recently. You know, I, I, I'm a motivational speaker. And people could call up on my website and you could book an hour with me and I speak to people about whatever you want, your career. But lately, you know what's been happening, John? I can't believe it. What's been happening? That's John the one behind the, the, the lens over there. Hello. Hello. So, John, uh, well, what's going on is families have been calling me up saying to speak to their son. But I mean, like, 14 years old? And I was like, well, uh, okay. But I, I, I always say, if I'm going to speak to a child under 18, the parents have to be there. So I, I happened to speak to 
was it two boys in different occasions and one girl. And they called me to speak about doing the right thing in life, getting better marks. And one of the boys was not doing very well in school. And I spoke with him, and I don't know, we just talked about life, and I told him about how important it is to to do the right thing. And, and you know, it, it's so important to, like, and be always judge your friends. You will be the judge of the worst of your friends. Anyway, I don't want to get into all that, but now the kid's doing great in school, so I don't know. So I'm going to open it up to parents if you want me to talk to their child. For some reason, uh, whatever God, uh, I don't know, whatever God has given me, I'm, I'm able to talk to some of these young kids, you know. And even if they're doing great, I'll be more than <clears throat> Some of the other kids were doing great. I said, why do you want me to talk to them? He sounds like he's doing fantastic. But they just said, we wanted to, to keep him doing great. So we talked about drugs and alcohol and, and doing the right thing. So you can go to chancepalmentary.net for that. So let's get to the show. The show today is what? Neighborhood Logic. Neighborhood Logic. That's right. We're going to answer some of the questions to show today uh, on the show today. Okay, let's see. Who do we got first here? <clears throat> let's see. My name is Darius, and he's from London. <clears throat> from London, England, which I can't say definite. I will be performing my one-man show on the West End, I hope, sometime this year. I can't say when, but coming up soon. Absolutely, okay? Okay. <clears throat> I don't want to read the whole question <clears throat> because it's very long, but he loves The Bronx Tale. He loves um, my movies. He was 17 when he saw it. Uh, he pursued acting when he was young. He won a lot of awards. And then he, when he first met his when he first met his wife, she was disabled, and he quit and he quit his job to become her caretaker. Her, you know, a carer. Six years on, she dumped me. Well, and now he's moved back with his parents. He's thirty four years old. Is it too late for him to take up his career? Absolutely not. If you really want to be an actor, <clears throat> but you have to really want to do it, Darius. If you just want to do it because you want the fame or you just you think it's great, uh, it has to be something that's in your blood. You know, you gave it up once before. Are you going to do it again? It's a hard, <clears throat> it's tough. It's really tough. But if you really want to do it, do it. And I always tell young actors, there's no age limit. In fact, the older you get, the better it is. I've seen people start uh, doing acting in their uh, 60s, 70s, 80s. I'm serious when I say that. You know, people always say, is it too late to start acting at, at my age, 30, 40? I say, no, not at all. In fact, the older you are, sometimes the better it is. Because anybody who's that old, you know, they quit. They quit by then. So it's hard to find good people who are acting at that age. So I say, you know, whether you're a man, woman, go for it. If you really want to do it, you go for it. If you look at somebody like Steve Carell, Steve Carell was somebody who started acting young, but he didn't get famous until he was like 45, I 45, think. 45, yeah, in his in, 40s. Definitely in his 40s is when he broke um, He broke into the industry. Right. I, no, without a doubt. I mean, uh, I mean, look, I was 38, almost 40. Yeah, I mean, so it's never too late. Who's this? Carl uh, GM Beton. Gambin. Gambin. 
Gambino tone. I don't know. I, I'm so bad. My dyslexia. But Carl, given you get a lot of mooks sending you scripts, he says, have you ever gotten a script uh, that wound up being successful? Love you guys. Keep fighting a good fight. That's from Carl. <clears throat> have I ever gotten a script? Yeah. Not many. You know, I, I rewrite a lot of things. I get paid to rewrite scripts. I get paid to, to look over scripts and give my opinion. Um, so I've gotten three scripts. I can only talk about the real successful ones. I got three scripts in my whole life that when I got those scripts to look at, I said, forget it. It's, I, I have no notes. It's, it's a great script. And those three scripts were, when I first read them, Shawshank Redemption, Save It Private Ryan, and the last one recently that was written by uh, Nick Vallelongo was uh, Green Book. Those three. So, yeah, when I read those three, I said, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So, uh, yeah. I hope I answered your question, Carl, but it's very hard. Most scripts you get, it's always like, um, you know, it's always like 70% written. You always got to do some rewrites on it, whatever. Okay, this is from Gail Lynn. Gail Lynn uh, says, um, what's this? What makes a man sexy? Well, uh, this is coming from a guy. She writes... She writes, confidence and sexy lips. Okay, so she's being a little sexy and fresh with me because she says, sexy lips like yours. Okay, well, thank you very much for the compliment. That's very sweet of you. But I think, all kidding aside, I think what makes a man sexy is confidence. Really. I I agree with that. I agree with the, the ladies who say that. I mean, you could be not the greatest looking guy in the world, but if you have confidence, if you just walk up to a girl and I, I think there's something to be respected for that. I think women respect the man who has confidence. And the women who don't respect confidence, if they're just looking at you and they want like six, uh, you know, a six pack on a young guy, then who wants to talk to those girls anyway? You know, unless you're the same age. <laughs> unless you're the same age. But no, I believe in that. I mean, women... See, see what a woman says? It's always confidence. What do men say? It's, you know, it's looking at her. I've always said that. Men are attracted to aesthetics. Women are attracted to confidence, to power, in a way. It's true. Uh, you, you've heard me say this before. Uh, a man could walk into a bar. A woman could walk into a bar. And the only difference is, if a woman walks into a bar and she sees a nice-looking guy and the guy comes over to her and he's got confidence and she likes him and they get along right away, but as they're talking through the evening, if, if he turns into an asshole, she's like, done, out, she's out. Her and her girlfriends were like, boom, she's gone. The difference is when a man meets a gorgeous girl at a bar, and he starts talking with her. And she could turn into like this biggest bitch or whatever. And, you know, she could be just all of a sudden get nasty with him. He doesn't care. He's got to sleep with her anyway. That's the difference. 
women are much more mature, much more mature than men when it comes to like relationships. We all know that. You understand, right, John? I agree with you 100% on that one. Yeah, 100%. I mean, women, they just got that, they got that shit together. Men, who said that? Men are dogs. I believe that. I mean, I don't know. I think they, you know, it's like God put this thing in men where, you know, they got to, you know, procreate the species. So every time they look, you know, there's that great story with um, Herbert, the president, President Hoover, if I'm not mistaken. That's where, that's where the, uh, uh, this effect, oh, no, Calvin Coolidge, I'm sorry. It was Cal, the president, Calvin Coolidge. He was president, right? Am I crazy? Yeah, Calvin Coolidge. I am not good yes, at history. Yeah. I, I'm not yes, 100% yeah, no, sure. Cal, yeah, President Coolidge. It was, there's a thing in, in science called the Coolidge effect. You can go on Google and go on the Coolidge effect. And what that is, let me tell you a quick, a, it's a quick story about the Coolidge effect. Gail, you made me think of this thing. And that is, what, when Calvin Coolidge was president, they were going through like this, him and his first lady, were going, they went to this farm where there was all these chickens. Uh, you know, it, 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 they got to the part where there was all these chickens. So his wife happened to look at this rooster and she saw all these chickens, and she said to him, she said, wow, she says, who takes care of all the, um, the chickens? That one rooster? So the guy, the farmer says, yes. She goes, oh, well. She said, now, her and her husband were separated on the farm, and she, said, and she said to the guy, well, when my husband comes here, when the president comes here, tell him that. And, you know, so to make a joke, like, look how many times the rooster could do this, right? So when, when the president gets there, President Coolidge gets there. This is a true story. Go on Google, look it up, you'll see. When he gets there, uh, the guy says, Mr. President, you know, your wife was just looking at the chickens, and she said, uh, you see that rooster? He makes love 20, 30 times a day. She told me to tell you that. And the president said to the same hen, so <laughs> that's what he was trying to say. So from that, they call this thing the Coolidge effect. So scientists, that's how they named it. Scientists got a rat, okay, <clears throat> a male rat, put it in a, in a cage. I don't know what made me go off on this. I hope I'm, stay with me, folks. A male rat put it in a cage and then got a female rat, right, that was, I guess, in heat, boom, dumped it in. The male rat, boom, jumped right on it, right? Okay, that was the first day. Second day, they threw the same rat in. Boom, it waited f two minutes before it jumped on it. Third day, threw it in. Now, the rat kind of moved around a little bit, waited maybe 10 minutes, boom, jumped on the rat, did his thing. After a few more days, this rat, the male rat didn't want anything to do with the female rat, just ignored it. They put a new rat in, boom, jumped right on it. So I'm just telling you what science, and they call this thing the Coolidge effect. Go on Google if you think I'm making this up, and you'll see. So a little history lesson. 
A little history lesson here. Coolidge was the 30th U.S. president from 1923 to 1929, and the Coolidge effect is the progressive decline in a male's propensity to mate with the same female combined with a heightened sexual interest in new females. That's why John is here. That's why he's the magic man. John the one. Okay? It's an interesting fact, you know. So, guys, don't feel bad. It's just, you know, we got the Coolidge effect. What are you going to do? That's Nature. A- You understand, right? Okay, so let's see what we got here. Okay. Amy, Amy is, hi, my name is Amy and I work for Heart Media. I would love to talk to you about your podcast. Amy, Amy, come on. I I don't know why you want to talk to me about my podcast. What do you want? Yeah, but I thank you for watching it and I appreciate you being a fan. That's very nice of you, Amy. And let's see what else we got here. We had Amy and let's see. Is this Carl? Carl, you're back again with another question. Uh, I'll try. Uh, what is he saying? I had a pizza place near me in Long Island who took hot Zeppelis, cut them in half, and put cannoli cream. That's like my friend. Come on. That's like my friend Jerome at Gino's Pastry. The best pastry anywhere in Manhattan. Uh, in Manhattan, excuse me. In the Bronx, 580 East 187th Street. Am I right? 187? 188? I, I, it's right I'll on. i it up. In the neighborhood. Gino's Pastry. Where is the exact address? It's in the Bronx. I don't know. It's a little early. Gino's to... Pastry in the Bronx is 580 East 187th Street. 580 East 187th Street. He's the one. He, he had this thing called a donoli. It's a donut and a cannoli mixed together. Oh, my God. You got to go there and try it. And the best cappuccinos in the world. I'm serious. We're, you know, pretty uh, pretty amazing. That's uh, the Capu- uh, cappuccino queen, Joanne. Incredible. Okay, Dominique. What is Dominique? Hello, my name is Dominique. Sessa, I have been following the podcast and enjoy it. I'm an Italian-American. I still believe his Bronx Tale is one of my best films. Thank you so much. And what does she say here? I especially love the way you're reaching out, telling different stories about our community. Well, I love to talk about our community. I love to bring the old school guys. We're going to have more old school episodes. The problem with the old school old school guys is they're all dying. You know what I mean, John? I got to get these guys before they pass away here. Got to do you it know. quick. Ray Liotta <clears throat> just went. So, Dominique, what are you saying here? I'm 27 and have been full-time... In a wheelchair. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Since I was 17, I have a neuromuscular disease, but I want to use my story to see representation. If you have any interest, please let me know. Either way, I think your podcast is phenomenal. Well, I just got to say, Dominique, I think you're phenomenal. I do. I think anybody uh, who has, you know, who could, you know, look, me, I look at people who have handicaps like that and people in a wheelchair and I look at them and they smile and they go about life. And to me, I am absolutely stunned. Stunned when I see people that strong. And from your reading your story here about being an Italian-American, it's, it's it, my heart goes to you and I say, hey man, it's your attitude. Your attitude is everything when you have this. And I think you have a great attitude. And I say to you, 
God bless you and keep it up. And be a voice for other people who are disabled. Because people who are disabled need somebody like you to talk to them. Try to find organizations, places to speak to, and talk to young people who've had accidents, you know, where they're, you know, they're paraplegic or they're crippled or they have something that, you know, that they need to, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying right now, but I, I, I feel for you. And I, and God bless you and keep up the good fight. And I mean that sincerely. There's a lot of TikTok channels with content like that, and they kind of speak as like a voice and other people can relate to it. And it's really a, a beautiful thing. And they talk about their disabilities. And on again, TikTok? On TikTok, yeah. There's a lot of channels like that where they talk about their disabilities and it, it gains a lot of traction because wow. they act as a voice for them. Well, all right. Well, there you go. John has, has told you. I hope that helps you out. Okay, next question. My name is Danny Antonucci. I'm 21 and I'm from Connecticut. The truth is I'm gay and I'm out with all my friends and my Nona. Oh, he told his Nona. But I just don't know how to tell my parents. Well, Danny, we just told them if they're watching this podcast who are real old school Italians like yourself. I saw what they did the Tovito and the Sopranos, and I'm not looking to get whacked. Oh, come on. Now, come on. Now. Nick, be real here now. What do you think is the best way to tell them so they be understanding? Well, Nick, I think the best way to tell them is to sit them down, tell them that you love them so much, and explain to them that because you're gay, this is who you are. And that's, and that's more, say, Mom, Dad, don't you want to see me happy? Don't you want to see me happy? Should I hide the fact that I'm gay? You should, he should say that to his parents and then realize that I'm not happy the rest of my life? I can never understand that. And if your child, and I say this to, the, to, the, to anybody out there, if your child is gay, straight or whatever. Don't you want to see your child happy? I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just, I do understand. Because, and sometimes I say to these parents, are you the one, because you don't want to be stigmatized with that, oh, my child is gay, or are you really caring about your child? It's about the child. If a, if, if a person is gay, that's it. That's what they feel in their heart. They should have a great life. They should be able to get married and live a wonderful life. God, could we just leave, leave everybody alone here? If a person is trans, let them be trans. If they're happy, that's all that matters. If they're good people and they add to society, what is wrong with that? I think it's the people who, I think it's the parents sometimes, John. They're the ones who get like, they're embarrassed or whatever. I don't know. What do you think? I think you're right on that <clears throat> one. I mean, it, I think it's just the fear <clears throat> of people, like you said, like making fun of them or judging them for having a gay child so that they get embarrassed and they're self-conscious about it. Right. But you know what? If you support your child, this is your child. You support your child no matter what. And that's the way I feel. And I've always felt that way. Always. Uh, let's see. Frank, 
Frank. Okay, Frank tells me Scuderi. Frank Scuderi. Uh, he loves my podcast. It's very inciting. In, inciting. Thank you very much. Uh, 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 let's see. Uh, what is this? My daughter and I have been plans to come to your restaurant. Ah, my restaurant. I haven't talked about my restaurants. I have a restaurant in Manhattan. Two of the best Italian restaurants around 30 West 46th Street in Manhattan and 264 Main Street in White Plains. Right, and she loves to, and she wants to come to my. Uh, uh, that would be oh, they saw me on Modern Family. I, uh, but anyway, I look up enough to see you around, Jazz. Well, he's gonna come to my restaurant. I thought it would be a favorite show. It was a gift that will always give. The show was the wor- oh, the other show, the worst cooks in America on Food Network. All right, I never saw that show. I, I don't know. Why would I want to see about the worst cooks in America? Huh? It's okay. But Frank, uh, come to my restaurant. I'd love to say hello to you and your daughter. Yeah, Vincent. What about Vincent? Vincent Prospero. I'm going through my father's things, he said, and I came across a silver certificate torn in half with my dad's signature and the signature of one of the, his mobster's friends. I think I saw in a movie once where a guy used half of a $100 bill signed by a made guy as a favor from some other mob boss. Have you ever heard of anything like that? No. No, I haven't. Well, his father's now is in a nursing home with dementia. Uh, my mom doesn't know about this either. I, I wish I could help you out, Vincent, but I got to be honest with you. I never heard about that. He's talking about degenerate gamblers. Oh, do I know about degenerate gamblers? And uh, the, they bet so much they would mess up the odds. Yeah. Well, you know about Eddie Mush. The guy was such the biggest loser in the world. You know that famous line that I wrote that in Bronx Hill. He would go to the racetrack and the teller would give him his tickets already ripped up. This guy was a loser. But I love, you know, Eddie Mush, that word mush. God, what? Oh, are you waving to me? No, Eddie Mush, his name became, in, in, in the dialogue in America, people go, hey, the guy's been mushed. He's an Eddie Mush. He's a mush, that guy. I can't believe it. Eddie Mush. Eddie Mush Montanero. Eddie, I know you're up there in heaven sometime. You became famous, pal. You always wanted to be famous. You became famous. I got to tell you, uh, uh, folks, degenerate gamblers, I know all about them. Any degenerate gamblers out there? You know what? I should get some degenerate gamblers on the show, John. That would be an interesting guest. That would be an interesting guest, right? Well, I had a few of them. Yeah, rehabilitate a gambler. Somebody that bets hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. That would be interesting. Degenerate gamblers. I had a few of the biggest ones on. I had Squiggy. Squiggy was a degenerate gambler. His father was a degenerate gambler. His father lost him when he was born on points, as they say. You know, I mean, oh, my God. Let's see. Who's this? Alessia. Alessia King. A-L-E-S-I-A. Is that Alessia? I guess so. Alicia, maybe? Alicia. Alicia. I'm sorry. My eyes, because of my dyslexia, please. Sorry. 
I wish I could bring your one-man show to Nashville. I'd love to come to Nashville. Just saw you on Wise Guys with John Tobacco. Oh, that's right. I do that with John Tobacco sometimes. When I saw your schedule, it did not include Nashville. Well, if you want to see my schedule, chaspalmetary.net. I would love to come to Nashville. I think that would be a great idea. Uh, well, if you come to New York, October 1st, I'll be one night at the Town Hall Theater, Broadway. Come and check it out. I think you would love it. What does my friend Joel Weiss have to say here? My friend Joel Weiss, he wants to wish me and the Palmer uh, Terry family a happy fun day. Oh, look at this guy. Let me tell you something about Joel Weiss. This guy has more determination and more guts than any actor I've ever met. I've never seen. I was in college with this guy. 1972, I think it was, Joel. Yeah, we were in the acting class together. And this guy is still out there. Uh, he was in a great show, uh, great film. One of those cult classics, The Warriors. And uh, I got to give the guy credit, man. He's a terrific actor, and he, he, he still works. God bless you, Joel Weiss. So, you know, neighborhood logic, if you got any questions, you got any things you want to talk about, you want to talk to me about certain things, Call me. Let me know. We'll talk about neighborhood logic. I love neighborhood logic. I, I love to answer questions from everybody. Folks, remember, go to my podcast, Jazz Palmetary Show. You can get it on you know, Spotify. You can get it on Google. You can hear it if you like. While you're working out in the morning, check it out. We're going to have more old school guys on. It's just hard to find, man. I'm, these guys are hard to find in my neighborhood. Though. You know, they're all, I go, what about this guy? Oh, he's died. What about that guy? He passed away. I'm like, oh, man. But I'm going to get some degenerate gamblers on here. And uh, if you want me to talk, motivate you, a friend, your child, go to chaspalmetary.net. Set up a call. I enjoy doing it. God bless you all. And don't forget... Oh my God! I can't! I can't believe it. Uh, Michael Francis, me and Michael Francis are doing our own podcast together. Besides our own, it's called the Wise and the Wise Guy. <laughs> That's me and Michael, Michael Francis. You know the legendary uh, crime boss who has uh, now turned his life around, born again Christian, wonderful human being. But he's got such incredible, interesting stories. Me and him together are going to be doing our own show. Go to France. Go to go, when you go to it. Go to Palmetteri Francis, the wise and the wise guy. Check it out. God bless you all. Talk to you soon.